0: Hello and welcome to Kaplan's NCLEX PrepCast, brought to you by KaplanNursing.com, which offers preparation courses for both the NCLEX RN and NCLEX PN examinations. And in today's episode, we're going to be discussing a topic which some of you listening might be curious to hear whether you've taken the NCLEX before or if this is your first time taking the NCLEX. And that is regarding whether you unfortunately do not pass on the first attempt. We know so many nurses and nursing students are really are concerns when they go in to take the NCLEX that they might not pass it. And for those of you listening who did not pass, we're going to break down some of the reasons why, it, what you can do and, and why you might not have passed on the first attempt. And who we have with us today, I think is going to be really an expert in this topic and help to enlighten you on what you can do to succeed in repeating the NCLEX. Her name is Pam Gardner. She has been a nurse for close to 40 years at this point, about 38 years, and she's been teaching for Kaplan specifically for 17 of those years. And in fact, for the last six years, she's been working with Kaplan full-time as a curriculum developer focus specifically on our NCLEX courses. So who better than Pam to really guide our conversation today? And so I want to go ahead and welcome you, Pam, to our podcast.
1: Hi, Matt. Thank you very much for having me today. Of course. very excited to be here.
0: We are excited to have you as well. Hope everything is uh, going well. And actually, you are teaching a course this week in Utah, aren't you? For I,
1: I am. I am. I'm on the uh, last day of the course. And so I had the morning free. Students are taking their um, practice test. And so this worked out perfectly.
0: Which I'm is enjoying excellent. Utah. Yeah, exactly. Well, we're glad you can squeeze us in because I know we're <laughs> going to get a lot out of the conversation today. I, I know I introduced you just a little bit, but mm-hmm. I'm wondering if you can maybe tell the folks uh, listening at home a little bit more about Pam Gardner.
1: Sure, um, sure. I am. Um, I, I am a person who never thought I would be a nurse. Um, it was um, certainly not my first choice in a career. Um, I, I kind of came into it a little bit backwards. Um, But it's kind of funny how when you choose a a career like that and and you do your schooling, that um, it was the best, absolute best choice for me. I love being a nurse. I love um, working with students. One of the questions that uh, you asked me before we started was, how long have you been teaching? Um, I think I have been a teacher from the moment I became a nurse, Um, either teaching family or teaching clients or Working with new graduates on the floor when I was a floor nurse in in the NICU, Um, I love sharing what I know. I love watching people learn. I love um, helping people along that pathway. So I think I've always been one. I did ten years at a university um, teaching nursing, and um, my goal was to help students become strong nurses. I think the career of nursing needs. People who can stand up for what nursing does, because we are a very unique profession. So that that really is the ground for where I move, you know, from teacher spot to teacher spot.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It's definitely it's great that you are helping nurses to be strong nurses. We want we definitely want that in uh, in the world today. Whether you're a nurse or a client for that matter, yes. you want strong, uh, capable nurses. So, uh, and, your, and your passion for education really comes through. So again, yes. we're, we're excited to have you chatting with us about this topic. Cause again, mm-hmm. uh, folks listening at home are probably concerned if they're listening and have not taken the NCLEX yet that maybe they're not going to pass. There's always that, that question in the back of your head, if you're going to pass the exam or not, even if you're fully confident, <laughs> you know, it can sometimes. Absolutely. There. And for anyone who is listening, who, as I said, did not pass the NCLEX, I think this is going to be a really helpful discussion to help them build confidence and, and get ready to take the NCLEX again. So my first real question for you, Pam, is why do students fail the NCLEX? Are there some common reasons? Uh, you know, why, why do students not pass on the first attempt?
1: Mm-hmm. Those of us that work with students, and one of the pieces of my job with Kaplan now is to work with the students who have been unsuccessful with the NCLEX seminar and the NCLEX expert uh, team. So we learn an awful lot from them. And um, we do have some very strong ideas as to why students commonly don't pass. Um, And these are not in any order and I'll kind of go back. The first one is anxiety or the inability to control the situation that you're in. You walk into this room, Pearson's room, which is a tomb. Uh, you can't make any noise. You can't have anything to eat or drink. You go through the the anxiety of the um, verifying who you are and all of that security. And, um, and there's a lot riding on this test. Um, you can't use your degree until you pass this test. So the anxiety levels are very high. We find that students who cannot control that anxiety, who cannot bring it down to the level where it's manageable through the test, Um, we call them, they become turtles. Hmm. And they begin to shrink into themselves. And they begin to get more afraid and more anxious and shrink. And as you shrink, your ability to answer questions decreases. So it's almost a self-fulfilling prophecy that the more you worry about it, the more you should worry about it and so that is really we think one of the major reasons that students are unsuccessful and one of the things we work on a lot is that that is a fixable thing the other one of the other reasons we think is that they really don't understand what this test is about they believe that it's just a much harder version of a test they take in nursing school and that is so off the mark of what the test is like. Um, Students worry that the very first test they take with a faculty member, because they don't know how that faculty member will write questions. They don't know what that test is actually gonna ask them because they've never experienced that faculty before. NCLEX is the exact same way. If you understand the test, if you understand how an adaptive test works, then you are much better prepared and decreases your anxiety and you know what this group is asking of you. Then it, it really helps you so much. So, but it's not a common thing to understand. They, they don't take any tests like this. They don't, um, you know, even Kaplan prepares them very well. We, we cannot absolutely recreate National Council's test because they are so, um, they're so sealed and they have to be because that's the kind of test it is. So we get everybody very close, but a lot of students don't think they really need to understand it. They're so worried about, we'll talk about in a, in a little bit, I'm so buried about content that they don't understand how something works and that is so important. So those are really what we believe are the three biggest things. Anxiety, understanding how the test works, which is the cat part, and understanding what is NCLEX actually testing you on.
0: That and and all those makes a are lot the three. Yeah. 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 I mean it makes it makes complete sense. Those sound like three very again, common reasons. Uh, mm-hmm. I've heard it before and it's important to know all, how to manage all three of those or understand all three of those. And I definitely want to touch on that second point. In, the, okay. in, a, in a previous episode, uh, we did touch a little bit on the differences between a nursing school exam versus mm-hmm. the NCLEX, uh, but I would definitely love to, I think it's appropriate to uh, to revisit that conversation here. Sure. So. What exactly do students need to understand about this test? And especially since it is a, a computer adaptive test, a CAD, as you mentioned, how does that differ from a nursing school exam?
1: Sure. Um, the first thing to understand as a as a candidate, <clears throat> pardon me, to take this test. And for those of you that are listening that haven't taken the test yet, listening to this podcast is an excellent opportunity for you. To be aware of what you need to know before you go in. So, um, schools, um, educating uh, institutions are tasked to teach you content, to get you the groundwork of what you need to know before you move on to becoming that nurse and understanding what nursing is. When you leave school, you know a lot because schools teach you a lot, but the process of becoming a nurse takes, and this is in the literature, approximately two years, and it's called from becoming a novice, which is knowing a lot of stuff, to an expert, which is being able to think and perform and and think like a nurse. That doesn't come right away, but the schools are tasked with teaching you that base, and so their tests are designed around finding out do you know the symptoms of a particular disease just list them and do you know how heart works just tell me and but that's their job and so they have to test that way it isn't until towards the end that they begin to start asking questions about what does that mean if you have somebody's Part that isn't working correctly. Now, what are they going to look like? And the key question is, what are you going to do about it? Hmm. So that's the difference in the way schools test because they have to test knowledge versus the NCLEX, which used to test knowledge. When I took the NCLEX, you know, in the time when we had to write on chalkboards with (laughs) pieces of stone, um, it was a knowledge test. Did you know? what this is. But nowadays, because nursing has shifted so much, and you have to be able to hit the ground running when you come out as a student with your brand new license, you have to be able to think on your feet almost immediately. So that is what NCLEX is testing. Not do you know it, but what are you going to do about it when you see it? And that's what students struggle with. So how does the computer do that? Well, it does it by asking you increasingly harder questions. And those questions sit way up above the passing line. The knowledge questions are below the line and the test starts above the line. So you can take this test if you are if you are aware of how nurses think and that the test is asking you what to do not what you know, you can take this test without ever getting to those knowing questions. You don't ever have to take the questions below the line. And because it's really hard to do those, they can choose any book that nursing schools use. They have a library of all of the published nursing books. They can open any one of those and pick a sentence and write a knowledge question about it. At you, you'll never know all that stuff. You can't know all that stuff. But if you know how to think about what to do, and the whole key is NCLEX is testing one construct or one thing. It tests safety. Can you keep your clients safe, even if you don't know something? But can you figure out how to keep them safe? So every question comes down to a safe answer. And if you know that when you're stuck, that helps because you step back and say, okay, I have no idea what this drug is, pharmacology. I have no idea what it does, but which is the safest answer that I have out of the four I get? Then now you can think about your answers even without knowing specifically what that drug is about. And that's what NCLEX wants to know if you can do. Keep your clients safe.
0: Very interesting. And I like your uh, you know, discussion of content versus critical thinking. Mm-hmm. That is, uh, we, th- we say this over and over. Content, mm-hmm. like you said, it, you need to know the content. That's foundational, but there's no way to know everything. So on this test right. and even in the nursing field, it's all about that clinical judgment, critical thinking. Mm-hmm. That's what will make you successful on this exam and successful as a nurse as well.
1: Yes. So, yeah, go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead. I was just, I was agreeing with you. <laughs> I wasn't sure if you wanted to add anything else, but yeah,
0: glad, glad we're both in agreement on that point. So when it, um, so let's, let's actually start talking now about uh, a little bit more about not passing the NCLEX. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we, we, we understand sort of the reasons why students fail and of course you're not going to know right away whether you pass or not, which is always nerve wracking, but yeah. let's say that you finally get that dreaded letter and see mm-hmm. that you do not the NCLEX. What then? I mean, what should be, what should students do at that point?
1: Yeah, that's a great question because it it is so overwhelming um, to students. They will, they can unofficially sign, find out at 48 hours by making a phone call. Um, It is accurate, but it is not official. Hmm. So it officially is when the letter comes in the mail for you. And You're you're terrified to open it. Uh, You know, even I know students that even though they've found out by making the phone call, they still hold out a glimmer of hope that when the letter actually comes, that um, it will be a different finding. Yeah. So the first thing that that I like to tell students when when they're talking to me or when they've called, because they usually call, is that you need to take time to grieve this loss. This is a significant um, blow to, to, to the person. Um, and so it really does, you have to think about it. You have to let it overwhelm you just a little bit. It is okay to be upset. It is okay to cry. It's okay to be angry. You, you know, everybody who's taking this test knows the five stages of grief. You know, you're in denial between the phone call and the letter. You are in denial <laughs> yeah. uh, that this really won't happen. Let yourself go through those processes. Because if you don't, when you try to re-prepare, you're still you're still hung up somewhere. You know, if you're, in, if you're still in denial or anger, how do you prepare if you are angry? you can't do it very well. And, and if you don't do it very well, you're just going to fail again when you take it again. So what's the point in that? Um, there's a, an old movie. I don't know if many students have ever seen Crocodile Dundee, but he talks about, um, some, they come down to see him in, in Australia and they he said something about, well, who do you talk to when you have a problem? He said, I tell my mates, you know, I tell my friends. And to just even say it out loud, i am so disappointed i have i have been unsuccessful with this test and let the people around you support you they you know they will do that and that that makes it easier to come to grips with it so once you've done your grieving then now you have to put a plan together and i tell students who take our seminar for unsuccessful students they all feel pretty bad when they come in and i ask them a, a feeling word and I tell them to write it on a piece of paper, I feel like a failure, I feel sad, I feel like, you know, take that, put it on a piece of paper, crumple it up and throw it away because they are the bravest people I know. It is so hard to be unsuccessful and to go back and do this again. That is so brave, but they see themselves as being unsuccessful or, or not worthy. And, and I tell them all the time, they are. You have, they have to switch your thinking from this being a negative experience to this being a positive experience. I am brave and I can do this again. And, and I will. And it's a matter of mind over matter. Convincing yourself that this is an okay process. Everyone has failed at something. There isn't a human being on on this earth that has not failed at something, but it's the brave ones and it's the ones that go back and say, I can and will find a way to do this, that really are, are, those are strong people. Those are very strong people. And so they need to, you need to get your mind there. The next is to put that plan in place. You sit down with your computer or you sit down with a piece of paper and say, okay, I have this much time, I have this much going on in my life, how am I going to prep again? What am I going to do in order to get myself to this end? Am I going to take a prep course? Am I gonna go back and do this? Am I gonna go talk to my faculty? How can I get this done? And once you have a plan, then you have something to move forward with instead of just going, I don't even know where to begin.
0: Well, that's excellent advice Pam and I love that you mentioned that these students are brave because I've, yeah. I I don't hear that much and these are it mm-hmm. does take a lot of courage to overcome failure and we, we don't like using that word a lot around here but mm-hmm. when you do fail something it's a it, as you said it's an experience it's a learning experience and it makes you brave to go back and and do it again and to make yeah. that plan is Is really important, and obviously we have to add crocodile Dundee into that plan, right? (laughs) (laughs) Talk to your mates. Yes,
1: (laughs) talk to your mates.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Now, I do want to touch upon that first point you mentioned way back about why students uh, might not pass the NCLEX, Mm -hmm. being test-taking anxiety. We talk about this a lot at Kaplan because we know that every student who comes to us is anxious. Even the strongest students are anxious, Mm -hmm. and it, it certainly can be a factor in, in not passing the exam. So what are some things that you can do, and we have devoted entire episodes to this, but yeah. <laughs> uh, what are some things that you, because it is a huge topic, but what are some things that you can do to manage test-taking anxiety, especially if that is the reason or the primary motivator, or one of the primary motivators for not passing the NCLEX? hmm
1: Um, I think the first thing is to recognize that anxiety plays a part in your ability to do this. Um, I had a student when I taught back at the university I taught at, who was so anxious about her tests. I mean, she would literally just be nauseous or further every time she took a test. But when I started to talk to her, she never saw that as a problem. Huh. And, and it took us a while to get her to think about that, that does impact your ability to sit and answer questions. If you're so worried about, am I going to throw up next to me or my stomach is just rolling, your brain can't concentrate on the question in front of you. So it did take us quite a while. This is the ability to do self-reflection. Whether you, the students who are listening, whether you are preparing to take the test for the first time, you need to sit back and say, does anxiety affect me? And for the students who have failed, is to really self-reflect on that test and say, was that probably one of the reasons I did fail this test? And be honest with yourself that yes, I did turn into a turtle while I was taking this test. Once you have that awareness, now you can identify one, what do you look like when you're anxious? Because if you don't identify that nausea, then, and you don't think that that's your key, then you won't be able to identify it. So does your heart rate increase? Do your palms sweat? Um, Do you start to get red in the face? Are you nauseated? Once you identify those triggers or how you present with it, now everybody has different techniques. I am a hummer, which of course drives my husband right out of his tree. (laughs) But when I'm anxious, I hum. I'm a background noise person. And so that's my background noise. And I can immediately feel myself calming down. Before coming on this podcast, I had the music blaring. And I was just kind of hopping around the hotel room because music is my calming mechanism. Hmm. Other people, I have a student that failed the NCLEX four times and we worked and worked and worked with her. And we finally, she figured it out. She rubs her fingers and her thumbs. And this, and it's almost like um, she does yoga, but she couldn't do yoga poses in the middle of Pearson View. <laughs> of
0: course, that'd be odd. So,
1: <laughs> so this was one of the things she found calmed her down in yoga. So this is what she does. So people can give everybody a list. You know, you can try this, you can try that. But it, it's an inward thing. It's an internal mechanism. And so it requires, unfortunately, self-reflection. What would work for me, and you have to be willing to try funny things. You know, we do a lot of reflection in my class visualizing, and some students have a real hard time with visualizing. I said, then don't then don't use that. let's What's another mechanism we can use for you? So the key is not to choose what works for others. It is to try on these processes or things to do and see if they fit you, and then come up with something that works. So, And recognize, again, this, the outward symptoms that you have of your anxiety. And if you do this, and you feel your heart rate calming down, and you feel your brain focusing again, then that's the one for you. If you feel like a really silly person doing this, and it only increases your anxiety, try something else. So I think those are the big things is recognition of anxiety. How, do you, how does it manifest itself in you? And then trying on lots of different techniques to, to be calm before you get to NCLEX. You know, I tell students all the time, that's what Kaplan tests are for or practice tests are for. Try taking the test, doing this, and did it work? You know, the, those are safe zones. All of these practice things that you do are not just to learn a content thing. They are to practice dealing with anxiety and how does it relax you?
0: I love that, Pam. I think it's a really important point that we, we often miss is when you do these practice tests, as you said, whether it's with Kaplan or however, however you're or doing wherever, it, yeah. There's it has that mutual benefit. It It not mm-hmm. only, as you said, teaches you the, what you need to know and gets you ready for the test, but it also psychologically gets you ready for the test. You know exactly what to expect on test day.
1: Yes. If, if we go back to the three major things, the three things that we think are the three major reasons students fail, none of them are that you don't know enough. Yeah. None of them are that they are anxiety. They are that you didn't understand the test and that you didn't understand what they were after. None of them are that you didn't know enough content. Students usually do not fail for that reason. Very few do. They fail in a very short period of time, 75 to 85 questions. Those are the students who do not know enough. Everybody else, it's these other things that are getting you.
0: And that's, I'm glad you brought that up because it it segues well into what I wanted to ask next, actually, which is, you're right. A lot of times, or most of the time, it's not that you don't know enough. That's not the reason that you failed. Mm -hmm. And yet, if you look at what students do, so many will go back and just study more. So that brings up the question of students who do focus too much on content. And not enough on critical thinking. Uh, what are the things that they can do rather than going back and open up all those textbooks and <laughs> studying everything all over again and trying to figure out what what they didn't remember? How can they build the critical thinking skills necessary to perform well on the NCLEX?
1: Yeah, it, it, it is hard for some students learning the process of critical thinking, um, comes very easy to them. They, they are normally just good critical thinkers, num- whether in nursing or whether outside of nursing. For others, um, it requires an awareness. Um, not I'm going to plug, but... Um,
0: which just fine. <laughs>
1: they, okay, thank you. Um, but I think it's, it is finding a method that helps you figure out what critical thinking is. Um, I tell students all the time, I I don't work, I work at Kaplan because I loved the decision tree. I don't love the decision tree because I work at Kaplan. Yeah. I came here because I I absolutely firmly believe and love the process of learning. It gives me a pathway to critically think. And when you're not sure what that even means, how do you look at anything if you don't know what critical thinking means and figure that out i needed a way of learning it and that's what the the tree does it just gives you the steps of learning once you once that light bulb comes on and you say oh my gosh now i see what critical thinking is about it's about prioritizing every step as i go which one do i have to take and then once you're once that light bulb goes on People will say, I just, I, I can jump because that's now internal. And so finding something that gives you that learning step by step so that once you understand what that process is about, now you don't need the steps anymore because it becomes a natural process to you. But it's, it's having somebody give you the stairway to go up the hill rather than standing on the bottom and going I don't know where to put my foot because I I just don't understand what this is about and so it gives you that stairway and once you're at the top you don't need those stairs anymore so I I think that's really the key and and like I said this is this is a great one It, it and it's already there for you there are other ways to go but find a stairway instead of just But the key is to recognize that the more you know will not help you, and that's understanding the cat. Um, That the first question is above the line; it is a critical thinking, clinical judgment question, and you want to figure out a way to never fall below the line because knowledge questions are too hard. People with eidetic memories, um, you know, they can they read a book and they can remember the words. Yeah do not are not successful on this test huh. because they know all the answers to the questions below the line yeah good good for them you know that's great but you won't pass the test there you can get every one of those right but if you get above the line and you can't figure out how to think it will throw you right back down You know, so uh, and I think when I explain that to students, then then they start to begin to believe, you know, that you, you can never memorize all the content and the content will only get you a fail. You have to know how to think.
0: Yeah. Very important to remember. And I like, I, we talk about this with students a lot too. You know, everything mm-hmm. below the line is content. Mm-hmm. Everything above the line is critical thinking. And you only pass by knowing how to answer questions above the line. So critical mm. thinking is incredibly important. And seriously, not, you know, not a problem at all with the shameless plug because okay. you know, there's, there's two reasons, if not more, that you and I are both here and, and what yes. is we care about you know, our students and watching them uh, succeed and helping them to succeed. And number two, because we believe this program is the way. <laughs>
1: I do. I, I really yeah. honestly do.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. So no, no worries at all on the shameless plug. Okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, but I do want to branch out a little bit because when sure. we talk about the NCLEX and the nature of being computer adaptive test, one thing I don't mm-hmm. think we've addressed yet, uh, but I think we have in the past and other episodes, is the fact that students can see anywhere from 75 questions Mm -hmm. to 265 questions and all depends on how they're performing how the what the computer if the computer is ready to make a decision or not right the the bottom line Mm -hmm. we i hear this all the time either students you know students who just come out of the test they don't have the results yet and they say you know the test shut off at 75 questions it was so hard i know i failed Mm -hmm. or I went all the way to question number 265 <laughs> or 260 or one like way all the way to the end. And it, it must mean I'm a terrible test taker. I don't know how to take this test. I mm-hmm. probably failed. Is there any validity to these statements? Um, <laughs> kind of loaded question there. What are your thoughts on mm-hmm. feelings on this?
1: Yeah, there, are, there is some validity um, actually to it. Let's talk about the low number first. So let's sure. talk about 75. Um, there are very, very, very few students who walk out of the test and think that they passed. (laughs) (laughs) So let's get that off the board. I used to get more phone calls from parking lots from hysterical students. Um, I will tell you at seven, if it shuts off in 75, it is very, very difficult to fail this test that fast. Mm. Okay, it really is very hard. It means that the very first question that's above the line, you got wrong. You fell below the line and you stayed there the whole time. That means that you couldn't even answer content questions enough to get back up above the line. Hmm. That student was either totally wigged out about this test and couldn't even begin it. And they couldn't even stay in it or they really had no clue about any content. That's what a fail in 75 means. You were totally overwhelmed with anxiety or you didn't know any, any of, enough of the base to even get out of the base. Commonly, like I said, very few students fail at that level. It's really, really very hard. Most students who come out at 75 who say the questions are hard, most often almost always are passers and that means that the very first question they got right got them above the line from the very first one and remember what the computer is looking for is for you to have a 50 percent and it's not one right one wrong one right one wrong it can be three right two wrong one right one wrong so it it's it doesn't look like an actual zigzag But when the computer looks at your 60 questions, all of them have to be above the line. And if you got half of those right and half of those wrong, it says you're done. The algorithm is really, it's hard to explain, but it works because these students are answering critical thinking questions. And they're answering them at high levels, above that passing line that they put in place. And so, They're very confident that these, they may not know all the drugs, but they're very confident that they know what to do, not to hurt somebody with a drug. And that's what they're after. So that's what a a 75 pass would look like. Let's go to the end. Okay. So 265. Holy moly. That's a (laughs) long test. You know, that's a really long way to go. And students will say, like you said, I must be a horrible test taker. Not true. If you get to the last question, what the computer is telling you is you didn't put a run together below the line, anywhere close, because it keeps giving you questions. But what you also didn't do is you couldn't maintain 60 questions above that line for it to evaluate you. That means if you visualize what your test looked like, you were bouncing just around the line, Hmm. which means you are so close. You were (laughs) so close to passing. And that's what we tell people who did this. You have no idea how close you are. On 265, the computer looks at one question only, and it's the last one. If that question's difficulty level is above the passing standard, You pass this test and it doesn't matter whether you answer that question right or wrong. They only want to know where it goes. If you answer, if that question 265 or 205 for our PN students is below the line, then you fail that test. That's the only thing it looks at.
0: Unbelievable.
1: Yeah. So we tell students just the, the, the bit here is to look at question 264. Don't slough that question because you know you're close. So you need 264 to go up in order to give you the shot at being above the line. But so many students who are sitting at that many questions, they get to 260 and they just say, I am so tired that they just A, 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 B, I don't care. And what that does then is throws them below the line and they'll fail.
0: Hmm. At
1: 260, you're so close. Take a deep breath. And really focus on those last questions to get you above the line so that that last question is up there.
0: Yeah, I think Isn't of it it a push. It's so interesting. I think yes. of it, I, I actually visualize it as sort of that last push in yes. a marathon. You've exactly. Been running for so long, and there's long. this tendency to just want to collapse before the finish yes. line. Yep. But that's a time where you really got to like push through, dig yes. deep. Finish. Dig
1: deep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: That's now, totally true. the
1: people in the middle, um, in between those two edges, because the computer can shut off at any particular number, um, it's very difficult. To, there's no way to come out of that judging whether you passed or failed. Um, it, uh, it just, because students, you can't judge the questions. You know, knowledge questions for me are very hard. It has been a long time since I have been in school and I don't remember knowledge stuff very well. I'm a critical thinker. And so those high level questions are easy for me. The knowledge questions are hard for me. That's so, so, so you can't judge a question by whether it's hard or easy for you. Um, it just depends on the kind of thinker you are. And so you can't, you can't judge in the middle. Just know that anywhere in between the computer is just looking as to whether you got your 60 questions half above or half below, or was your run of 60 questions uh, below the line. You know, if you are right around the line, you will keep going until you hit 265 or 205. So in the middle, you have shown the computer a high or a low run and that's what it looks for.
0: Wow, and so for students who are listening, who Mm -hmm. let's say did unfortunately not pass at any one of those points, 75 in the middle, which is the most likely, or 265, Mm -hmm. what should they start doing today Mm -hmm. to begin to prepare to take the NCLEX again?
1: Those who are in the middle or at 265, you need to get better at the critical thinking piece. So instead of when you're looking at questions that you're taking, instead of saying, okay the answer is this and I will memorize that answer because that goes with that drug. No, that's content and you don't need it. You need to look at that question and say, in this situation, why did the author pick this answer over that answer? It is everything to do with priority of action. There's a reason that the right answer is better. Not that they aren't both right. Mm -hmm. And that's what students get all, you know, they say, okay, I'm gonna memorize the right answer. Well, that won't help you. You have to know why that answer was right. So what made a piece of that a better priority to do first than this one over here? Um, An example real quick is we talk a lot about students will know the medication digoxin. It's a heart medication. And if you can only do one thing before you give that med, lots of students get very upset because it's not check the name band on the client. It's making sure the client you give it to has a heart rate above a certain number. Hmm. Because even if I give it to the wrong person, if their heart rate is high enough, I won't kill them. So even if I do the wrong one, I'm still not going to kill that person. That's why the heart rate matters more than identifying the correct person. So, and that is a that is a critical thinking <laughs> mechanism.
0: Because and it makes sense.
1: But they get so mad sometimes because they say, but you have to identify the right person. Yes, I do. <laughs> but even if I don't, I want to not kill them. That's true. You know, so that's why that's, that's the critical thinking part. And that's the hard part. And that's where you, have, you should have. You don't have to have. You can do whatever you want. But that's <laughs> where it helps to have that stairway to walk you through that kind of thinking until you figure out and that light bulb goes on and you say, of course, that makes so much sense. For the people who fail in 75, You need to take a deep breath and decide, was it anxiety that got me? Because if it was anxiety that got you, that's what you have to work on. But if it was really that you had no idea what any of that content was, then you need to start from the beginning. And you need to build up your content base. But remember that just doing that will not help you pass. You must add the top part. Because it's the base, but it's the top of the pyramid that passes you. But the base has to get you there.
0: Yeah, that makes complete sense and and definitely gives those listening a framework, action steps to start taking today. Find that stairwell, take that stairwell. (laughs) And And, uh, my last question for you, Pam, is I'm sure that there are, since we've been talking and and using the word fail so many times in this podcast, that uh, you know, students might be concerned, either those who mm-hmm. are taking the test for the first time or those who unfortunately didn't pass and are now going to take it again and try to pass this time. So what advice would you give to the students who are potentially a little bit anxious, uh, especially with us talking about this topic for mm-hmm. uh, taking the NCLEX?
1: Oh, wow, let me think.
0: <laughs> <laughs> a um, big, big I
1: think, But I think that knowledge is power. I really do, Knowing, just knowing and embracing that you're going to do everything you possibly can to the best of your ability, following some kind of game plan, that that knowing that failure is an option. And because I kind of believe that once it's on the table, that that's something you can deal with. But by not even recognizing that, because I know it's in your brain, it's like people who don't want to talk about somebody who died with the person who's left. Do you really think they, they're not thinking about it? I know that you're thinking about failure. I know that, that it's in the back of your mind. But by addressing it, by saying that it is a possibility, but now you have heard Lots of information about if you haven't taken the test yet, what to do to prevent that from happening. If you have taken it and you were unsuccessful, now I have a plan because plans take the anxiety out of that end. You know, so I think the recognition of it is so important. And it's one of the reasons that when we do the failure seminar, the, the success, we call it the success seminar because that's what we want out of you. We don't say unsuccessful and we don't say that you miss the mark. We use the word that everybody is thinking because I know that's what you're thinking. So I'm going to use the word fail and we're going to put it on the table and we're going to deal with it because it is not an end-of-the-world issue. There are mechanisms in place for you to be successful again. It is not the end of the world. It is just one test at one time. And yes, it's not what you wanted, but that happens all the time. You take a deep breath and you become brave and you step back into it.
0: Well, I certainly hope everyone at home is feeling (laughs) brave and confident and ready to conquer the NCLEX, if we can use that word. Yes. uh, Pam, thank you very much for providing so much useful information about, I'll use the word, failing the NCLEX and what Mm -hmm. we can do to overcome it. And it has been Really awesome to have you here. So thank you very much. Thank
1: you. Thanks for having me.
0: Of course, of course. And for those of you listening at home, I know Pam mentioned a few times what we call a repeat test takers seminar, which we do offer online. And I would encourage you, if you did not succeed on the NCLEX, on the first attempt especially, to consider signing up for that event. It is free. All you have to do is visit kaplannursing.com and visit our free practice resources. And you can sign up or one of our repeat test taker seminars there and learn even more useful strategies, go through some practice questions and identify ways that you can regroup, get ready, and pass the NCLEX. And as always, we definitely want to thank all of you who have tuned in and listened to our podcast. Please continue to spread the word and share it with your friends. Be sure to reach out to us on Twitter, on Facebook. Let us know what sort of topics you would like to hear in future episodes. And of course, if you have any questions about NCLEX Prep, please do visit our website, which is kaplannursing.com. So thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you again in a future PrepCast.